This is the founder of the United Empire, Will Ospreay, the man that has done it all in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And you are listening to the Wrestle In. Hello, everyone, and welcome to December's edition of the Puro Vision podcast. This month, it's a little bit different. And rather than talking about the month that's been in Puro, uh, in Puro, we're going to talk about the whole year and list our matches of the year. Obviously, I can't do that by myself. So joining me, firstly, is our resident Dragon Gate expert and wrestling translator, Kay. I think it's a bit early to call me a full translator, but thank you. <laughs> uh, as well as Kay, we've also got Ben Rivers. He's, I'm calling you president of the Kenta Fan Club this week, Ben. Oh, wow. Thank you very much. Um, nice to be here. It's nice to represent such a beautiful, magnificent and amazing wrestler and lead their fan club to a <laughs> wonderful year next year. Hopefully. Maybe he's on this list. I don't know. We'll soon, we'll we'll, soon we'll find see. out. Um, so like, the way this is going to work, we're going to... Uh, so the three of us, we're going to say um, like in turn what our fifth best match of the year was and talk about that and then our fourth, third and so on and then by the end, we'll uh, know uh, our five matches of the year from Puro, so men's uh, Japanese wrestling. Um, so first, we'll start with our number fives. And Kay, uh, I'll let you go first. I originally wanted to name uh, El Desperado versus Jim Kasai as my number five, but then I looked back on what I actually watched and rewatched the most this year, and it kind of has to be uh, Shin Skywalker versus Jason Lee uh, from the 3rd of March. Um, because that was the storyline that got me into Dragon Gate, and that match, that's like, it's not a main event, it's not like the kind of big scale match that usually go on, you know, match of the year list, but it's just the perfect mid-card storytelling match. There's like a lot of interesting themes, it has a lot of interesting history, it respects your time, the wrestling is good. I just really enjoyed it all around and it's incredibly rewatchable. Yeah, I think that's the key with these like matches of the year to make sure they are rewatchable. Because <laughs> you know you just see some matches and you think, well, I've seen it now, I don't I'm not watching that again. And then you saw you look at lists like this and you always the matches are ones you're gonna want to watch two or three times. Uh, so, Ben, moving on very quickly, what is uh, your uh, fifth match? Well, I had also considered doing a Desperado versus Jun Kasai here, but I decided to instead go with a different El Desperado match. I, I could possibly argue that the Kasai match was better, but I totally disregard ob- objectivity and I'd rather go for my favourites. So I'm going to say actually I much preferred his match against Okada in the first round of the New Japan Cup, which it, it's an interesting match to put together. He got the um, junior champion and the heavyweight champion in the first round of the tournament. And like obviously Desperado was never going to win, but like his performance in that match, I really found really quite moving, I think. Um, he was, it was obviously a very uphill battle, but the way he hit those strikes so hard, you could see the marks forming on Okada's chest, and he, you know, he'd get in a lot of offense, but Okada would always put it down very quickly, but you would never stay down. It's just that it really, I really found myself feeling for Desperado in that, and then just that ending as well with releasing the money clip 
and then hitting the Rainmaker to properly put him down and give him the respect he deserves as junior heavyweight champion. It was just, it was really special. And it's one of those matches, you know, it's not necessarily the biggest match New Japan have had. It wasn't that huge, but it's, it's really stuck with me this whole year. So that's why I've put it at number five, because even now I'm just, I just think about it and it's just, it was really special to me. I really, really loved it. It's a really yeah. beautiful story. I, I also think we can say now that uh, Desperado versus Kasai is our official number six. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be your number six, but we might hear a bit more about that later on. Oh. <laughs> no, I, I never, um, it didn't make it onto my list, but I do remember the um, Desperado Okada match, and it's it was it's the story of it, isn't it? Like you said, it's the that he's the junior champion, and that he he could hang with Okada and um, in such a big spot as the opening night. I, of the, with a lot of these matches, I often find that like the selling point is that it makes me believe that they could, but I never, I you know, it does have its flashes like that, but I don't think I ever truly believed he could but it found me wanting him to do it more than anything which obviously mm. i did because i love el desperado but the way it really gets you on him on his side and really feel for him in this struggle but i i think that's one of its strongest aspects yeah i think the that sort of idea of like even a futile struggle being beautiful in itself, you know, just the act of trying your hardest, even if you know you're gonna lose. I think that is actually one of the beautiful themes that wrestling has, and that definitely shown through in that match. Yes, yeah, definition of going down swinging, really, isn't it? He just he's getting like even when he reverses for Rainmaker, he's like I know another one's coming soon, but he's still just gonna hit Okada as hard as he can, and he's not going down without a fight, and he gives him like especially when after in the next round when Okada then goes against Master Wato and just annihilates him in the just easiest breezy way possible uh that just made it even stronger after that yeah I think it's what like the it's what these lists are for really, isn't it because it, obviously you have the matches which are like undeniably the best matches of the year and then there's these sort of matches where it's like the story and the emotion of it that brings it through um, and like we've matched like Okada and um, it's got that more the element of the storytelling, the emotion. It wasn't um, necessarily the best, but it's it's for one that's for all of New Japan really, but stood out for most to me this year. I think I've hung on to that match more than I have any other that was possibly better. Yeah, that makes sense. It's the um, it's what sticks with you, isn't it? That you're gonna like when you come back at the end of December and you think. Even just off the top of your head, like you've got in the idea in your head of what the matches are you're going to put onto your list. Yeah, if I'm in December and I'm still thinking about a first round tournament match from <laughs> March, it's, it has to have been pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think there's also a theme that's like in both of our picks is that we pick the match that has meaning story wise over something that's, you know, maybe more technically impressive. Yeah, but is obviously really sound. They're both great wrestlers and. You know, there's a lot of good strikes, yeah, a lot of nice moves, but it's like they, it's, it's like with matches like that, when you then have that extra level and that extra feeling and emotion, it just catapults it to a whole nother level of brilliance. Mm. And that really shines through in this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so moving on to my fifth match, and I think it's another one 
uh, like with your two picks, it's the emotion and the story uh, as well as the actual wrestling in it. Uh, and I picked all the way from January 1st, uh, Nakajima against Shiozaki from Noah's uh, New Year show. Oh! Um, <laughs> it was the... I might have that one on my list. <laughs> Uh, it was the main event of the show and in Budokan Hall for the um, GHC Heavyweight Championship. And it, that's just like, it was such a historic match. Uh, and it being Shiozaki and Nakajima, it felt like, to me, it was like a fight for the soul of Noah with the, like, the I am Noah sort of um, sentiment going into it. And the spot, it's the, the, the big suplex spot on ringside off the little rampway. That's through the whole year, that's sort of stuck in my head. Um, but also, like you've said, with the emotion of your two matches, I think that it's had that as well, with it being such um, such an important match in uh, Noah as a company, of like who who actually is running and leading the main event scene um, of the promotion. And I mean, all the way from January 1st, and we're, so we're in December, and it's still, it came to mind when I came to do my list, and it's, um, no, it's a cracking match, that one. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Not even just the promotion. Um, I mean, like the two of them, right? As axes, they were like one of the tag teams most synonymous with Noah, and that connection obviously is very meaningful as well, and came through in that match too. Like with Shiozaki wanting to sort of bring them back together, but Nakajima wanting, you know, the two of them to move on uh, and go their own ways. Yeah. Pretty much what I was going to say. It's um, you know, it's, it's this story goes back years. It's not just in the moment and who is Noah now. It's like, you know, these guys have. They, I mean, they have history going all the way back to two thousand and four. Was it when they had that Kabashi uh, and yeah, two thousand four. Yeah, yeah. So it goes all the way back then. Really, if you if you really want to deep it that much, like it's. It's just the Noah match there is right now. It was, unfortunately, it's kind of been, in my opinion, the peak of Noah this year because it's, it's been very up and down. But that, that match was just insane. That, obviously, that suplex was incredible. Um, they put so much behind their strikes. I mean, they normally put so much behind their strikes, but when the two of them go together, it's just, you know they're putting that little bit extra on it. Um, and it's nice as well because you've obviously got the match in 2020 as well. So it's cool to see that with this time it's the other way around. Now Nakajima's champion and Shiozaki's trying to win the belt, whereas in 2020 it was obviously the other way around. And it's nice to see kind of Nakajima in that position of strength that Shiozaki was kind of in in 2020. So I really like that. Um, also, I thought in particular, um, again, Closing stretches are always very important to me. And like the end, like Nakajima is just brutal. Like, yeah. Um, he hits like a savage head punt. Um, he, the brain bust, obviously. And then the Northern Lights bomb as well. Oh, magnificent. It's one of my favorite moves. Uh, it's one of the most brutal moves I've ever seen. And obviously, with the uh, Sasaki connection, it's just. It was just the perfect ending to what is a match. And it's just, Nakajima just felt so good then, didn't he? Like, do you remember how good that title reign was? Like, <laughs> it seemed so long ago. <laughs> it was, oh, it was just amazing. Life, life did not get better from that, honestly. Life what a match. quickly, doesn't it? 
Uh, it hits you really hard, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, um, that is our uh, our fifth best match of the year, so we move on to our fourths. Uh, fourths, is that a word? I don't know. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> Kay, it's uh, back over to you. Yeah, speaking of emotional matches, I have another one here, and it is uh, Kinesa's retirement match um, from the 7th of April. I have a lot from the first half of the year. <laughs> Um, it's uh, KZ and Dragon Kid versus Kness and Susumu Yokosuka. And that fucking match, man. <laughs> like, all of the wrestlers there and the audience started the match with tears in their eyes. And by the end, KZ was crying so hard, I was actually impressed that he could still wrestle. <laughs> um, it's just such an emotional match. And, you know, even though most of the wrestlers they are in the match, uh, we're over 40, just they brought it all out. Like Dragon Kid with that, with his uh, Super Hurricane Rana, like that man is 46 and he wrestled like a 20 year old in that match. <laughs> <laughs> and the end stretch, you know, where, uh, where Kness is sort of, doesn't want to give up yet, doesn't want to, you know, be the match over because if the match is over, his career will be over. But the, and then like Casey hits him again and again while he's just fucking weeping and until eventually Kness just says it's enough and, and sort of spreads his arms and uh, and he pins him and it's it's so emotional <laughs> like everyone hugs everyone cries at the end it's it's one of the most emotional matches this year again technically less impressive than I think the other matches on my list, that's why I made it fourth, but emotionally there was nothing better this year, it was incredible. Yeah, I've not seen this match, but it, it sounds like quite something, and it, it, if it's moved KZ to tears, then I'm I'm already sold, it it's already sounds like something I need to check out immediately, because yeah. I like, I mean, retirement matches are always very emotional, it's, you know, it's, obviously one of the biggest moments in a wrestler's career because it's the end but like you know it's these things always bring over tears and it sounds like this one did that and then some so yeah sounds like it deserves its place yeah absolutely i mean it's obviously like it's gonna have a bit more impact if you do know the history like they do a bit of you know best of uh moves and you know reference a lot of his history but it's also incredibly moving if you're new to him, just through the pure emotion of the wrestlers. Like I, <laughs> I have a someone who's a friend who's new to Dragon Gate, and like they, they cry when they watch this match. And that's wow. what's like so good about like this sort of list is that you've already I've got two matches from K which I've not seen, and I've already um, so you can add that to like the list that yeah. Um, like to watch sort of thing and that's what's like um with like the variation and um another emotional match by the sounds of it so i'm hoping i'll get around to checking that out because that sounds um really interesting actually um and ben can you match that in terms of emotion no <laughs> <laughs> well, i mean you know there is emotion involved for sure but i my number four is Surprise, surprise, all Japan making an appearance. I've gone there for... There we go. It was due eventually, wasn't it? I've gone for Jake Lee versus Yuma Aoyagi in the final of the Champion Carnival. Which much like um, the Noah match we just discussed, it was kind of a high point of the year for all Japan, kind of. Obviously, you've got the Budokan event as well and all of that stuff, but 
in terms of the single match, like I just this was fantastic. I love it. Like Jake, um, I love him, but he can he's ha- with his heel work in particular. He does have a habit of sometimes making matches fall a bit flat. But I think Yuma does a very good job of stopping that, and actually he really really pushes Jake to make him fight. Um, and yeah, as they're going on, like Yuma's Jake spends a lot of time in control, but Yuma keeps this keeps the match alive really and keeps some fire going and doesn't just let Jake dominate, which is always nice. Also, and it features one of my favorite things Jake does when you know his opponents get loads of momentum going and really fight, and then suddenly just bang, one knee strike, and it all just comes crashing down. So that always makes me pop when it happens which it did and i did but yeah it's i don't quite have as much to say about this one but it was just very very exciting and which is always good it shows that when jake's on and he has an opponent that can get the good stuff out of him that he is actually he's just class he's totally class and you know as much as i love him i do also think for right person one it's always important when you have a tournament final that you know, whoever wins does matter. And I do think ultimately Yuma was the right choice. And, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. I was, it was, yeah, very good. Very good. And it was, I, if nothing else, I needed to have some more Japan. So there it is. Yeah, I remember, um, I remember watching this actually, and I've um, I pulled up a little bit of what I said about it at the time. And um, I do remember it being very, it's like a proper fight and they like, like they they fought like they well that their lives depended on it and sort of thing with the um obviously it was the final of the um the champions carnival um and they just fought really like nastily and aggressively and um I thought that like tension and drama like really came through um, yeah it's one of those matches as well which is cool especially as a tournament final where it, I do think it could have it could have gone either way. Yeah. So that's always good for intrigue, but I also feel like from humor in particular, you get the feeling he knows he's on the cusp of something great. Like he's near the, he's you know he's climbing this mountain. Like he knows he's near the top, and he needs he has this opportunity. He needs to make the most of it, and I think that's why he really, in particular, I think he really brings the fire to Jake, which I think makes Jake then bring that in return. So I yeah. think that's like yeah, he. You can really feel the motivation and the desire to win from Yuma. Yeah, it just it had it felt really important this match as well. Not only being the um, the final, but it being um, those two in there and how it, um, but like their their history in all Japan and like the the moment of Yuma winning and what that did for his career as like cementing him as that sort of like um, like a special status in all Japan. Yeah, yeah, especially knowing that it's like then down the line he's going to have to face Kento and obviously yeah. <laughs> they've got a lot going on. So, yeah, it was just a fantastic match and everything is as much like the stuff surrounding it as well that really made this good for me. So, yeah, all in all, it's like, uh, like the whole package of that match is just lovely. I loved it. Great. So now um, you had a cup final. I've also got a cup final. So um, the New Japan cup final is... Um, the one I picked, not not the G one climax final. That was sort of like it was. Um, I was thinking at the time of which one um, I preferred, and I landed on um, 
This one, it was Zack Sabre Jr. against Tetsuya Naito, uh, the 27th of March, uh, the New Japan Cup final. Um, and it's a, I mean, it helps that I bloody love uh, Zack Sabre Jr. But this is just a remarkable match, I thought. And the, um, it was like the story was told so well with ZSJ um, just like really going after Naito's knee, which was injured beforehand, like it always is. Um, <laughs> and also, he was going after the neck, to, um, which led into the finish. Um, but Naito also, he fought back, was fighting uh, and targeting the neck of um, Sabre Jr. with obviously that Destino in mind. Um, they've just got such great chemistry. Um, and like the way they both targeted um, like like the other, their opponent's body parts, but especially Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, picking the knee and the neck and having that like dual focus during the match. Um, I thought it was done really well. Um, and sort of like we talk about, we've talked about emotion quite a bit already, but with it being uh, like the post match of uh, Taichi coming in the ring and like the big celebration with the trophy and the um, the confetti everywhere and um, like Zack Sabre Jr. shouting at um, Kevin Kelly and like bloody techers, that sort of thing. And it was all just like, just what sat there with a massive smile on my face watching Zack Sabre Jr. not only win, but then just having everything after it as well. Um, yeah, Zack Sabre Jr. Night, you couldn't really go wrong. Yeah. That was very good. I mean, Zack Sabre Jr.'s run in that New Japan Cup in general was just fantastic. I remember he had lots of other good matches. The, um, the one against Osprey is the one that sticks in my mind in particular, sort of reminding me of the sort of fight I'd see outside Spoons one day or something. <laughs> I, really, I really love that. But yeah, I'm... For, for people not in the UK, Spoons, Weather Spoons, it's like the rough pub sort of thing. And not, and not everywhere, but like the a fight outside Weather Spoons, proper like rough fight in the car park sort of job. I've heard it called the McDonald's of pubs before. The McDonald's of... I don't know who that's worse for, so I see. <laughs> but yeah, um, back on subject. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, that match was very good. Zach is a fantastic wrestler. Um, and it's, you know, there's layers to that, as you say, with like the targeting of Ellie. There's a lot of, a lot of things have purpose, which is good in wrestling. You know, you're not just doing moves, you're doing moves for a reason. Yeah. So it's good, especially in a final, to have that coming through. And, you know, sometimes it's nice to just have a good classic wrestling match. And yeah, they smashed it. For sure. That's something these two are so good at with like making everything matter. Especially Zack Sabre Jr. with because um, everything it's sort of, everything he does has that end goal of um the the method he's using to win that specific match and it always looks like he's um fought up a method and a tactic to win. Um and that's Sean through especially in this one. Um I think that's kind of interesting in terms of the contrast between their personalities and their styles. Because their personalities mesh well, because Naito is a guy who's very focused on pissing people off, essentially. And Zack is a guy who very easily gets pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what, they, what makes the, the uh, clash of their personalities fun. But in terms of their wrestling styles, uh, Zack is the one who's very calculated, who's very targeted at sort of bringing his opponent down, while Naito has to sort of react to that and counter that. And I think that's very interesting. It's basically like a reversal of the way their personalities come together. Yeah, definitely. It added that extra bit of element to it as well as it just being sort of like technically a great match. Um, so we'll move on now to our, our thirds. Uh, and Kay, back to you. 
My third match is uh, Yuki Ueno versus Ueno. I say it wrong every time, <laughs> and it's because English speakers say it wrong every time. Uh, but you Yuki can blame Ueno. me because I always say Ueno. So. <laughs> Yuki Ueno uh, versus Tetsuya Endo. Um, from the 1st of May, um, and I, I really like those two, just in general. I think they haven't had a bad singles match yet, uh, and I just love, you know, as you all know, I love the Agile, I love the Flippy Boys, uh, and this match was an excellent version of that, and I really like the dynamic, you know, on a story level as well. They're both sort of uh, Takeshita's major rivals. They are the two people who saw him off when he went on his excursion the first time, you know, Endo saying, I hate you, and Ueno saying, I love you. And they have this contrast of Endo being a guy who's very driven by his negative emotions, by his jealousy, by his anger, by his pride. Uh, and Ueno is just a guy, like, he likes to have fun and just do whatever he pleases. And obviously, like, that kind of gets on Endo's nerves because he's always been sort of insecure and, you know, had always had to fight with all of these emotions and just seeing a guy just kind of have fun and do whatever, you know, <laughs> gets under his skin and seeing, you know, that play out in in this feud and, you know, culminating in this match. I really liked that. Like, it was a, it was a fast and athletic match and it was a match where also Endo could, you know, shine as sort of the ace of the of the promotion for a little bit, you know, before the injury <laughs> and show sort of himself in this sort of dominant position that Takeshita always kind of occupied before him. Yeah, it was um I don't want to feel like the Debbie Downer of the podcast, but it wasn't I remember this one and it wasn't it's not my sort of match, I don't think. So I won't I won't dwell on it too much. Uh, for but... the big boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just it, I think it's just an endo thing with me. It's not um it's, some of it doesn't land with me, but it, I do. I understand where you're coming from. There's like you could see the athleticism and the uh, the speed of what they were doing. Um, it maybe it didn't suit uh, my tastes in particular, but the um, like as an overall story of Endo and Ueno and everything leading up to it, it, um, it brought a nice conclusion to all of that. Absolutely. I think like my my only I I really like Endo, <laughs> but I you know I also uh, Ibushi was my first favorite wrestler, so obviously that whole legacy can, thing kind of predisposes me to like him. Mm. Um, but I like for me personally because I I really like him. I really like uh, you know their matches. That's sort of the only problem I'd have with Ueno taking the title off of uh, Higuchi in the next match is that I'd actually prefer him to take it to take it off of Endo, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was um, it's an interesting match. In fact, what they did was well done. Um, if a little like, not to my um, sort of like specific tastes, but um, we'll shift over to Ben. Uh, what was your um, the first match of the year for you? Oh, to stay on the DDT theme, and hopefully with one that maybe might appeal to you a little more, Jamie, I have, and to bring back the emotions as well, I've gone for Kazusada Higuchi versus Yukio Sakaguchi. And, oh, that match was just incredible. It's like, you know, going into a match like that, that emotions are going to be high. And then... Higuchi walks through the curtain with his eruption robe in his hand, and I'm just 
I'm gone. I'm gone. I can't do it. It's <laughs> my my poor soul cannot take this hurt. And yeah, then the match itself, obviously, like they're both fantastic wrestlers. You may have noticed. And I love the way, like Sakaguchi, really, he, you know, he really has a lot of urgency. He really kind of stays on Higuchi in the early uh, phases of the match, which I think. You know, it's easy with a dynamic like that. If you're someone like Higuchi, you might kind of hold back on Sakaguchi. So it kind of really forces him to bring to bring his A game. He, you know, you can't hold back. You have to give him everything, and obviously that happens. And eventually, they, you know, they really, really fight it out. And just the ending as well is like when you get to that point where Sakaguchi is pretty much beaten at that point, and then. Higuchi just put so much behind those final moves to put him down. And then that, that last, like you can see on his face just how much he's feeling when he's hitting that last move and then slowly moving over to pin him. That's just, ah, oh, the emotions, the emotions. I feel many. I feel a lot of emotions about this match. It was, it was really special. And was like Higuchi just comes out of that looking really fucking strong as well. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's insane. Higuchi's insane. Um, fantastic match. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I remember that one. And it's with not only just their ability in ring and the way they like mashed together, of course, being both formally of eruption. Obviously, Sakaguchi's still there. So then we'll move on to uh, my third spot. And it's one we've mentioned a couple of times already. And it's Junkasai against El Desperado from Just Tap Out, uh, the greatly named Takatachi Despimania uh, from September 12th. Uh, and this, it's a death match, and they don't usually end up on my list, death matches. Um, but there's a reason I wrote a full article about this, and there's a reason I, um, I put on my Twitter banner, it's a picture of um, Junkasai and El Desperado after the match with uh, the Rose. Um and it's such a phenom- uh, phenomenal, phen- I can't say phenomenal, I st- can't say it, we'll move on. It was an amazing match, I'll pick a different word. Brilliant <laughs> effort. Um, and it re- I don't know, I, I can't say that, I don't know why. Um, and, we'll move- and it was so- it really blew me away, this match. And um, death matches aren't usually my type, but they um, this one really shone through for me. And, like the emotion of um, like their relationship and... Um, like the way the rose symbolised everything um, after the match and before the match. Um, and my one thing to pick out was uh, Junker signed is like he did post match, like was talking in the ring, and he said, "We pro wrestlers may not fear death or pain. We accept that every time we step into this ring." Um, and I think that that sort of like sums up what this match meant and how it was wrestled. And it was such a violent and a bloody match. Um, it was like a proper war, um, and they were both is covered in blood um, by the end of it and might not have made it onto your list but it's got a nice spot at number three on mine. Well, yeah, you know no. when you get when the wrestlers are coming out in their white gear you there's a good chance you're in for some blood and if you've got someone like Jun Kasai coming out in his white gear and Ben Des- and Desperado as well it's like you know you're about to get buckets and also um, Desperado gets unmasked as well which is 
very cool. I mean, I know he's done it numerous times, but like, it's always cool when he does it. He's he's one of the few wrestlers where when his mask comes off, I don't just sort of go, oh, it's, it's just a guy underneath. It's, it's like he somehow, he becomes even cooler. And like the the whole the visual of him with the blood, the mark, torn mask dripping around his neck, is just, oh, he was such a beast. And yeah, that match was totally fantastic. Very exciting. Like the crowd was very hot and into it as well, which is always important for a match like that. And yeah, it's definitely one of the better, probably the best death match of the year. It was fantastic. Yeah, I'm really happy that it made it onto you know one of our lists at least, so that we can talk about it. I, I mean, there are some fans who basically say you know that it's a good Jin Kasai match if there are pictures of him kissing his opponent, and there are plenty of those for this match. <laughs> and, oh, and that's why it's made the list. I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, what I. One of the things I really like about wrestling is that it's sort of a form of expressing the complex relationships between people through the sort of physicality, through fighting, through pain. And this match really embodied that, I feel like. It's this two people just sort of connecting on the same level through the extreme violence they were doing to each other. And I think that's really fascinating. And that's what makes this match so enthralling and so interesting. Yeah, it's definitely one. It's, it's stuck with me throughout. And I know it's only September, but I I can still like, picture the match in my head and everything that happened and the, um, like some of the spots in it. I mean, I know it's a death match, but bloody hell, some of the uh, some of the things they did in this match, but as well, just like the emotion and the story of it um, really drove through this match for me and like, put it above like, other death matches and other hardcore matches. Um, so that is our round, our third matches of the year. So we move on almost to our um, top spot. So our second, the matches we placed second uh, on the match of the year list. And Kay, we'll start with you again. Well, I kind of already talked about that one way too much on this podcast, but uh, my number two was uh, Sean Skywalker and Diamante versus uh, Jason Lee and Jackie Funky Kame uh, at Kobe World on, you know, the 30th of July. Just I mean, I, I've already said too much about it <laughs> previously, but just an excellent example of a match that both works very well on the surface level, just like a perfect example of the small underdogs versus the big bad heels match, but also has, you know, a lot of emotional depth, you know, the story of basically two victims banding together to take down the guy who's been mistreating them and you know managing in the end and it's it's a very emotional very cool very intense match with a lot of moves that just make you go what the fuck are they trying to kill each other i really loved it yeah i've seen i've seen this one and yeah yeah um and as you're saying like it works on a surface level and so which is what i have on this match but yeah i, I remember just sitting there just putting my jaw on the desk just like what, what is going on these these four are insane and yeah, I've, you know, there's a reason that, like, outside of my two favourites, that these four are probably the four I'm now most interested in, in terms of my 
small bit of Dragon Gate watching. So yeah, I bet it was it was crazy. It was just they were doing all sorts of mental stuff, and it all fit together so well. I you know I knew a bit of uh, Jason Lee and Shin Skywalker story, so I you know I had a bit of a dimension to it, but not too much. But you know. The fact that it hits so well for me, but then it also hits so well for Kate who knows all of this stuff about it. But, you know, it's just, it's a match you, that everyone can enjoy, which is kind of rare, but also pretty good when you get that in wrestling. Absolutely. I honestly think it was the best Dragon Gate match uh, of the year, and that's saying a lot with a lot of these uh, main title matches they had. Yeah, so that's... Uh, another match to add to my list of things to watch and make sure I've watched all the matches on the list. Uh, <laughs> and we'll move to Ben's second. Hopefully I've seen this one. <laughs> um, well, you have, because it was on your list. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that solves that problem. Yeah, my second was uh, Shizaki vs Nakajima at um, Noah, the new year in the Budokan, which, you know, we, I, we've talked about that. <laughs> Yeah, it's been, um, yeah, we talked about that at length, obviously, earlier on when I um, I mentioned it as my number five. Uh, so then we'll move quickly on to my to my number two, which was um, another New Japan match, my second on the list, and it was Kazuchika Okada, obviously, uh, but against Jay White, the IWGP World Heavyweight title match uh, from Dominion. Um, and yeah, I bloody love this one, and it was... Um, so that JY worked on Okada's ribs in his midsection and that was like the focus of the whole match and he controlled it and controlled the flow and controlled the uh, the feeling of the match um, and he really dominated things. Um, he's a cracking heel and that was, it was one of his best showings as a heel, this match. Um, and COVID restrictions be damned for this one. The, uh, the crowd went mental towards the end in Osaka, of course. Um, and Okada played his part as well. He like sold very nicely, and um, despite being Okada, he, he sort of played second fiddle to Jay White, who was sort of like the master of the match. Um, and Okada sort of sat back and sold and fought back when um, when he was able to, and um, so like it was such a well done story this one. And like we talked about emotion in quite a few of the matches, and this. There's another one that brings the storyline and the emotion to the forefront. Yeah. Again, not to be the Debbie Downer this time, but I, I, honestly, I kind of forgotten this match had happened. But <laughs> I think, I think for me, I'm just like, obviously, Jay White's very good, but like him and especially Bullet Club as a whole, I think for me, I've just not been too into them lately. So, I think I remember that show had a lot of Bullet Club going on as well. So by that point, I was kind of fed up with it. And that was, that was the show where um, Tanahashi and Ishii had that insane match, wasn't it? So I think that kind of... Wasn't that... Was it? Was that Dontaku? Maybe it was. I'm like totally lost. I don't, okay, at this well, point, I just don't remember this into... match, I think. Uh, I'm sure but, that was Don Taco, but yeah, if, uh, it probably I, I, was. It's, yeah, it's Jay White syndrome. If that was, it was. Yeah, Jay White syndrome. I got no idea what's going on, but yeah, it was honestly, like, yeah, Jay White matches just haven't really been doing too much for me this year as Bullet Club as a whole. Really, aside from Kento, obviously, because he's too perfect for Bullet Club. I think. Yeah, he's perfect wherever he goes, but yeah, I mean, I like I. I do like Jay 
not like I'm not a big that's sort of the thing with Bullet Club, right? I do like a couple of the people in Bullet Club, but Bullet Club itself I don't really like. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean I do think it was a good choice, you know, to have uh Jake over and I think the moment at the end, you know, made a really symbolic impression of him finally getting to the top and finally right taking down the guy who basically synonymous with uh, new japan i mean second most uh, after tanashi um and i mean nothing in that sense i think yeah like it probably really did what uh, what it was supposed to do and it was really good at that yeah so um split the opinion on that one the uh jay white match <laughs> but with um i i, I, I think i think I, we can go with the match was Probably quite good, but we have mixed opinions on Jay yes. White. But we'll put it down to Jay White syndrome. <laughs> Jay White syndrome. Uh, I'll, I'll trademark that. I quite like them. Um, so now, the what we've all been waiting for the uh, the the matches are each of us are three uh, matches of the year. And first, we'll start with K. And is it Dragon Gate K? No, it's actually DDT. Oh. <laughs> um. No, it was that match is actually from before uh, I got into Dragon Gate. It's from the 20th of March, uh, and it's Konosuke Takeshita versus Tetsuya Endo. And Jesus fucking Christ, this match! Um, as you two know, I am a lore nerd, and the whole Takeshita Endo story is one of the things I am a lore nerd about. <laughs> uh, so this match just really hit me. Like, I. At the time, I made like 20 posts about just all the little bits of lore in this match. Um, it, was a, it was a really big match. It felt like Ender really facing the final boss of DDT and also the final boss of his personal story. And like every time he thought he had just beaten him, it's just another form of Takeshita just coming on and he has to do it all over again and his plans fall apart and he has to just keep going against the one guy he could never beat and the one guy he felt always looked down on him. And the way that both of them worked their long and very, you know, emotional history into this match. Like, for example, when Takeshita did, you know, the dusty punches uh, from back during the Happy Motel days, and then Endo countered it into the cross face, which is like Daisuke Sasaki's finisher, which is the guy for whom he betrayed their faction, right? Um, all of that stuff, so emotional, it was so good. It was like one of the only times that I really loved a match that was as massive and long as this was. And the end, right, where Takeshita leaves and Endo just screams after him, I hate you, Takechan. Uh, that was that was so sweet and emotional and just really summed up the whole complicated relationship for me. I, I loved this match and I loved everything about this match. This match is I've got this one in my in my Kasai versus Desperado <laughs> area as well. I for that, like for most of the year I'd had this like really at the top of my list near the top of my list where I'm like, this is definitely gonna be one of my matches of the year for sure. And then when I was just putting this list together, I, was, I had so many other matches that I really wanted to talk about, but it just it just didn't quite make the cut. But yeah, it's I'm not quite as much of a law nerd as you, so I didn't, <laughs> you know, I didn't have as much. And when I first watched it, I was 
you know, still getting to grips with DDT a bit more. But yeah. it's, you know, I love a match that makes me feel exhausted. So when, <laughs> in, in a good way, like, Are you sure? don't, obviously, like, you know, if you give me 45 minutes of boringness, I'm going to be tired and I'm going to yeah. be grumpy. It's not going to be good. But like, this was 40 minutes, uh, 45 minutes or something ridiculously long but like he, you know by the end they're still going for it with full gusto and i'm you know it's exhausting me in the best way possible and yeah it's it kind of yeah made its way out of my mind a little bit yeah absolutely fantastic match um just yeah all around great takeshita is very good endo is very good and the way they could hold a match for that long and really give it as much as they did is always impressive and yeah definitely one of the matches of the year for sure yeah i think if you've got jay white syndrome then maybe i've got endo syndrome because it was uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean this is obviously it's it's a cracking match it's a very good match and it was it was a bit slow at the start is what my issue with it but once it got going you can't really complain at all um and especially towards the finish like you were saying kate so it's like such an exhilarating and an exciting match um, if a little long, but um, that's I think that's more of a personal thing. Um, it's definitely a cracking match, and it? it's I understand why uh, why lots of people have loved this match, including um, you two. Um, it was a nice moment as well with um, Tetsuya Endo, and the, the way they built it was um, perfect in a way, really. Uh, if I have got some misgivings about the match itself. Yeah, like there's technically a lore reason for the match starting a bit slower. <laughs> See, because, I think that's the thing, you know, isn't it? It's sort of like, because yeah, yeah. with that prior experience and that prior knowledge, it helps you along with um, like enjoying the match more. Yeah, it's sort of, there was there was a bit of story about, you know, uh, Endo wanting to wrestle like in the true heavyweight style rather than like his own, which is more the sort of flippier junior heavyweight style. And in, you know, as the match goes on, he sort of returns more to his natural self. That's why the match starts a bit slower because he wants to be sort of, you know, the sort of New Japan type. Uh, but, you know, that's not him and he can't win that way. So uh, that's why it was meaningful to me, but obviously, like, that's not going to help a lot if you don't know the law. <laughs> need to do your research, Jamie. I have really <laughs> letting the side down there. I don't know enough. <laughs> um, so one down, two to go. And uh, Ben, what, what is your 2022 match of the year? I have also gone for a Takeshita match, Ooh. but I think in a very unsurprising have move a guess. for me. <laughs> You can have a guess. Is it a Gucci? It's a Gucci, yes. <laughs> it, oh my god, this match. I have the amount of times I have watched this over like I mean it, it happened in September and it's like I'm I'm still just watching this over and over again. Like I've got so much wrestling I need to catch up on and I'm just not doing it because I'm still watching this one because I just oh, I love it so much. It's it's like it's like me. I mean, obviously they don't know me, but I can't help but feel like maybe they've just gone, how can we make a match they're going to enjoy perfectly? Because that's what they did. It's like so up my street. It's almost unbelievable. And, you know, obviously with um, Takeshita and his standing as like, you know, top guy and Higuchi, I mean, obviously he's beaten Endo by now, but also, you know, you still have a bit of unease and, you know, his title reign... It's something that is so good, but you, you, you don't want it to just him to get 
beaten by Takeshita when he comes back. So like, you know, I'm I've I'm really invested in it mm. and then, you know, obviously the right person won, I think. But like just from the start, they're just flying at each other, smacking them each other as hard as they can. Um one thing I've noticed on my rewatches, I just I I love all the dives out of the ring as well, especially um Higuchi's one when um him and Takeshita are out of the ring and then Takeshita um rolls him back in and turns around and then he turns around again just to see Higuchi charging at him like a million miles an hour before flinging himself over the ropes and it's just, I just lose my mind over it every time and that bit with the post oh my god <laughs> I like I like there's been a couple times I've watched it and I somehow got distracted for it forgot it was coming and then it happens and I'm like oh my god but like even when I know it's coming and I, I I know it's gonna happen and I see it and then it still just nearly throws me off my seat. I'm just, it's oh fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Nothing short of a banger. Those two just knocked it out of the park and there's at this point I don't think anything can stand up to it for me. It's I love it. I'm I am in love. I would like to marry this match. <laughs> I think you will. I think you might have knocked it out of the park as well, though, because I've got. Um, I love that match as well. It's not. Didn't make my list. It's sort of similar to the ones that are on the edge of the list. Um, but no. It's Despi versus Junkasai, bro. Yeah, it's my Despi versus Junkasai. Um, but honestly, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Really, and the, that, that that spot with the ring post. Are you just? Oh, it's because like, you seem sometimes in wrestling like spots make you like wince in pain. That. Is the like epitome of that, and that nothing I don't think will ever like reach that in terms of just like you remember. I mean, this is similar, but remember Nigel McGuinness again that in that Daniel Bryan match in uh, in Liverpool years ago. Was it that might have been 04 or five sort of time where his head put in head put at the ring post and like, cut his head open? Um, it sort of like brought that back to me, and like, obviously knowing what's happened with Nigel McGuinness, it's a bit those things come to mind. But then in the moment, you. You know, I say it's such like an amazing spot, and it's such an amazing match. Um, and they fought like so attritionally. I thought with like the way they fought against each other, like they were just taking the absolute living hell out of each other, just constantly and constantly. Um, and yeah, the way I've talked about it, maybe I should have put it on my list myself because I honestly, <laughs> such such a great match that one. Yeah, for me, that's like, I mean, every one of us has to have a purely subjective nitpick about. At least one match. <laughs> um, for me, yeah, for me, like that match, I think I was really impressed in about all of the in-ring stuff. But obviously, like for me, it didn't do that much in terms of story. I, yeah, that's just kind of the thing with with Higuchi for me. It's just that, like, I I think he's a great wrestler, but like he he doesn't super engage me with his character or his storytelling, and that's kind of what prevented this match from being on my top five I think but like in ring it was really good like nobody <laughs> if someone says uh, that this match wasn't good in ring like they didn't watch it he's just a big uh, fella okay. well, what's, what's the issue That's is that not enough Takesh is very good and Higuchi beat him what more story could you possibly need I mean <laughs> literally <laughs> <laughs> Right, well, if that wasn't up your street, maybe this one is for you, okay? Because for me, this is a good uh, storytelling match. And it was two people that I've had on my list already. 
Um, and it's a New Japan match will, is my match of the year this year. And from Hyper Battle, Kazuchiro Okada again uh, defending his IWGP World Heavyweight Championship against the winner of the New Japan Cup, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. This from the 9th of April. Um, and for me, the story with like Zack Sabre Jr. focusing on Okada's arm and just focusing on Okada's arm, the Rainmaker arm throughout. Um, and like what we saw earlier with the night on match I was talking about, Zach Sabre Jr. He usually picks body parts and changes and has one or two or three different strategies. But in this one, he had one focus and one focus only. And that was Okada's arm. Um, and like the story of that being his game plan, but Okada managing to outlast him and the stamina of Okada and like his um, experience in these New Japan main events um, like shone through and the, that that experience is what won in the match with ZSJ sort of running out of steam by the end. Um, in his plan, he couldn't um, succeed, and that's what uh, cost him. And I think that's sort of for me anyway. That was like the perfect, well-rounded story of um, my match of the year. Yay! <laughs> so that's like one of the things, right? If you talk storytelling, uh, some people are gonna think limp work. I like I as someone who got into wrestling relatively late in life. When I think storytelling, like I think, what brought the two of them here? What are their personalities? How do they work together? What's their history together? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. But uh, I do think like it was a very good match, and like in this term, in terms of you know limb work at, at you know that level of sort of intra match uh, storytelling. I do think it was very solid. Uh, I do remember uh, at the time being kind of disappointed uh, because, you know, I figured fucking Okada won again. <laughs> it's always Okada. Um, no, but uh, but it was, a, it was a good match. Like, both of them are, are really good at what they do. And I, like, I can definitely tell, right, especially with people who are more... Like, who didn't get into wrestling specifically as a storytelling medium, but then also sort of grew up with it. Um, I, I can definitely see how, you know, the intra-match story is very compelling, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I was very, I was quite invested in this match. I, like, Zack Sabre, obviously this is off the back of the New Japan Cup win, which I just, like, Zack Sabre Jr. was on fire from that. So, you know, I had very much brought myself into the belief it was coming home <laughs> through Zack Sabre Jr. winning <laughs> the uh, world title. Um, so yeah, and it, and like to have that investment and belief and wanting him to win, and then he executes a game plan like that that's so on it that then when he comes up short from it and it doesn't work out, but it's you know it it broke my heart. But like looking back on it, I see it broke my heart in a good way because that's that's what wrestling does, isn't it? It's you know, it got me invested in someone, and even though he probably wasn't going to win, I still had that hope and. Yeah, Okada wins again, but you know what? He's Okada. He can win again. It's what he does, so yeah. I'll allow it. It's it's good wrestling. It's good wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching this one live, and I had it on. I I put it on my telly, uh, and I remember because I I've got this this like this seat in my living room that like looks directly at the telly, and that's that's when I'm watching wrestling on the telly. That's the wrestling watching chair, and I could just sit like look straight at it and ignore whatever else is like either side. Um, and that that like this match is one of them that my eyes didn't move off the screen, 
um, and I was like, I, I was on my feet and I was like on the edge of my chair and moving all around. And um, it's like this was like it's one of those matches that like suspends your um, like suspends your belief, like suspends your disbelief in what happened. Um, and maybe that's like the Jack Sabre Junior fan in me and just like wanting Zach Sabre Junior to win more than anything. Um, and so like it was like it's quite a soul pushing finish for me as a Zach Sabre Junior fan with him not being able to do it. But then sort of look back a few minutes later and I was like, well, that was a bloody good match and that's um, like the sort of thing that swung me around and like the, just the emotion of it and how, for me, uh, it, that'll do for me. Maybe I'm a bit more simple and that, that's what I need from a wrestling story, just nice limb work <laughs> um, and that'll do me all right and that's exactly what this match gave and like what well, probably the best, well, the best example for me of like a limb work and a selling uh, match from 2022. Yeah, it was definitely like yeah. <laughs> it was definitely a, a very well executed match. I definitely do like what the two did with it. I think again for me it was just sort of diminished by me generally getting a bit disillusioned with New Japan at right around that time. <laughs> uh, but I mean those two are right with what they were given, they did a great job. Right? That's not denying that. Yeah, it was it's for me it's like the perfect match for what I like from wrestling and that's sort of like subjectivity of these sort of um lists and these sort of thinkings of um the more emotion uh, the more emotional matches and the more physical matches and like the matches of two people just absolutely battering each other and it's like what you like personally um, like what's your favorite thing from wrestling that's what brings up um like the best match in uh, your eyes and that's um i think those top three to to catch to, to get in two of the two of our matches of the year. I think that speaks volumes of like the year he's had as well. Um, yeah, so great stuff. And that's, uh, that brings us an end to our um, match of the year lists. Um, we've had Dragon Gate and DDT and Noah and New Japan and an All Japan match because uh, well, so we could not go Japan, without, mate. could we? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so fantastic stuff. Uh, and before uh, we depart, now that have been our... Um, our match of the year podcast for 2022 um just as like an overall like of, of the year so we've looked at our matches but uh, you could see in that list we've like Takeshita and zsj popping up a few times um, what have we thought about this year like quite a big open question but what have we thought about the year in wrestling it pretty good hasn't it i think at least i've had i've had a fantastic time watching wrestling this year it's there's been so much fantastic stuff and it's like you know, there's a lot of wrestling to watch, but it's a good sign when I want to watch it all, you know? Yeah. Like, you can follow a lot of promotions, but, like, if when you actually are wanting to watch these promotions, like, at the moment, maybe now I'm a little bit tired, but, like, for most of the year, it's been a case of, like, yeah, I've got All Japan to watch, I've got DDT, Noah, I've all this, that, and the other, and it's, I do, I want to keep up with all of that, because it's all been so exciting. Like, you look at like the main event scenes of a lot of the top promotions um so you know kento miyahara has had a fantastic year uh higuchi's had a fantastic year okada's had a fantastic year like a lot of the top people have really been performing and then obviously further down the cards there's been so many bangers and it's just been really fun it's been so much fun and that that's what's important for me but i enjoy the wrestling i have a good time and i have so yeah Great year for me. Very happy. Yeah, that's nice. 
For me, I think. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean that dismissively. I mean that I meant that. I meant that like honestly. I meant that. I that's very. I I meant I'm happy for you, and that's very sweet, and I'm. Glad that you enjoyed this year so much. I, I, I was really just expecting you to be like, I'm this sorry. was just last year in wrestling. I'm sorry. It was all shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, for me, it was sort of a mixed bag because, you know, there was a lot of backstage drama, including in uh, in Puro, uh, <laughs> you know, with uh, with the Ibushi situation and <laughs> him um, implying New Japan is in league with the Yakuza and all of that stuff. But, um... Yeah, uh, <laughs> all of that aside, um, there was some there was some very interesting stuff in wrestling. I really like that there were a lot more crossover shows, and I definitely hope that we are going to get more and more of those. Yes, definitely. You know, I very much agree with this point. More crossover shows, please. Every yeah. every wrestling yeah. promotion, crossover shows. Now, yes, do it. Yes, oh, That's the New Year's I mean, resolution. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Hiromo also, you know, he suggested that they do like a big junior crossover and, you know, the uh, general managers of both DDT and Dragon Gate said yes already. So, you know, that's looking good. Um, but, and yeah, obviously, even though, I mean, for Japanese wrestling in general, Times have been tough in the pandemic, and you know, there are departures and all of that stuff. Um, I am really glad that, you know, this year when I was sort of a little burnt out in, with wrestling, you know, because I didn't have any good stories to follow at the time, um, that I discovered uh, a newly turned heel wrestler and his promotions just put all of their fucking stock into his storytelling ability. So that was a big win for me, honestly, that I was able to find, you know, someone new, someone young who I can follow along for the rest of his career as I also grow older. And that's, that's something I really liked about this year. <laughs> I definitely hope that storytelling is going to be something that's going to be focused on more because outside of, you know, Shun specifically, I haven't seen it you know, get that much focus this year. And, you know, obviously, Takeshi Endo at the beginning of the year. Uh, I definitely hope that's, that's something that's going to be bigger next year. Yeah, there's been lots of great stuff this year. And obviously, there's always uh, room for improvement. And I'm sure as we move into 2023, we'll, uh, we'll carry on in the same vein of it being like a varied amount of wrestling throughout the different promotions and maybe i'll start watching dragon gate you've you might have convinced me okay all these great matches you keep mentioning to us uh and we'll get there i think (laughs) (laughs) if i if i just talk it is full enough eventually (laughs) eventually i'm at the point where my kz fandom is rising enough i feel like i don't watch enough dragon gate to do it justice so yes 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 (laughs) So I'm like one income away from getting a Dragon Gate Network subscription, but not yet. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get there, the two of us. <laughs> so um, before we go, we'll get the plugs in uh, for our December uh, edition uh, of the podcast. And Kay, we'll start with you. Anything to plug? Anything to mention to the listeners? If you want to get a Dragon Gate Network subscription, <laughs> I have. A- Excellent guide on Drengate streaming service and also their YouTube channels and everything you need to know about watching the promotion uh, on my blog, K 
ksnkfape.com. <laughs> it's it's a bit of an older one, but uh, it's the one I'm most proud of. And I hope to, you know, release more articles also in the new year when I've caught up with university. Great, and Ben, yourself? You could get a Dragon Gate Network subscription, <laughs> or you could get a New Japan TV subscription. How dare you! <laughs> And that's about the extent of my plugging. I have very much nothing going on at the moment apart from uni work. So yeah, just follow me on Twitter, Bwid72. Lovely days. That's all you need. Yeah, so well, you could get a Dragon Gate subscription, you could get an Old Japan subscription, or you could get free promotions in one and get a Wrestle Universe subscription. And you can you can, <laughs> you can please the ones over uh, the lovely people over at the Ocean Cyclone show and watch some uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro as well. So uh, no, but in seriousness, uh, in seriousness, um, follow me on Twitter, uh, J Johnson underscore sixteen. That's where you'll see everything um, of interest that I'm sort of doing. Um, and for wrestling, you can follow wrestling on Twitter uh, at wrestling, uh, and also you can follow us on any um, podcasting network that you listen to us on. And you can listen to this podcast, the Ocean Cyclone Show, Fly to Five, Noob Japan, and All Elite Listening. And also, you can subscribe for one dollar a month, as little as one dollar a month. You can subscribe for more, but one dollar a month will get you on to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash wrestle in, and that gets you early access to everything, including uh, all the podcasts. And also, once a week, you'll be able to listen to the Into the Wrestleverse podcast, the Patreon exclusive. Uh, so, thank you for joining us uh, for this podcast as well uh, throughout the year. Um, I've really enjoyed uh, starting this podcast and I hope Ben and Kay have enjoyed it as well throughout uh, the past months that we've been doing this and we will see you all in the new year